Everyone knows you should never take a physicist to a sci-fi movie. The same can be said about a biologist and a creature feature. We can point out how certain things are biologically unlikely or downright impossible, but that would be boring. So rather than pointing out what can't happen, why not ask ourselves, what if it was real? So using my super nerd levels of knowledge about biology, physics, and mythical creatures, my friends and I will explore how different creatures could have actually evolved on our planet and what they potentially would look like. Howdy! And welcome back to A Real Creature Feature. This is your host, Mac. I'm Mike. And I'm Dean. And today we're going to be talking about the Wendigo. Now we're going to have an open statement about this. We're three white guys, so we're not going to be taking this from any kind of critical point of view like these are people's stories and we don't want to come off as dickish about this yeah is that a good yeah that'd be a good this is yeah that sounds good just we tread carefully about this yeah more than we will with almost anything else because a lot of it we while we take from while we do take data from other cultures a lot of ours is eurocentric yeah it's just because of where we come, because of our history and ancestry, it's where we come from. And we try to maintain a level of respect for other people's cultures, because that's what you should do. Yeah. And I will actually be reading a little bit later from uh, an article where they really address that. And I'm like, oh, this is a very interesting aspect of it. But yeah, but first, we're going to have our friend Dean give uh, tell us a little bit story about the Wendigo. All right. It's cold. Snow has fallen on the ground. A local tribe has heard a rumor that there have been some of their people who have gone missing. They know somewhere in the woods that there is a family. They don't know if they have seen any of their missing people. There comes a man who they hire, we'll just call him Killer for right now, to find out where their people have gone missing. Killer goes into the woods, and he finds the family. An old man, his wife, and his seven children, and their wives. He watches them for a couple weeks. They do not show the signs of starving during the winter. And one day, he finally catches them as they proceed to feast on an unholy, unnatural meal. So, the following day, when the old man and his sons go out hunting, the old man, being the oldest and the frailest, goes to the local lake and just to check on the beaver dam. Maybe there are some beavers who have come back. Killer goes up to the old man, disguises himself as a starving weak person and says oh father help me take my poncho and we can cover the hole so that as the water fills up the beaver dam the beavers will have to come into the dam and be trapped so he does it the old man goes home at the end of the day and talks with his seven sons and tells them we should go to the beaver dam in the more uh, 
before sunrise so that we can catch this other man unawares and he can be our next meal. And in the early dawn, when the temperature is still at its lowest, they go to the lake. The sons are hiding in the woods, but Killer had already been there and had placed at different distances reserves of freshly cut wood from the beaver dam. So, not disguised now, he comes up and says, I have caught some beavers already. So, while the old man and I get ready to prepare these beavers, you guys can go into the woods and I have cut a bunch of trees that we can make a bonfire. The old man convinces his sons to go out to the seven different piles and bring them back for a fire. The old man and killer work together. And one of the things that they need to do is get some water. Killer starts cracking the ice. As killer leans down to try it and drink some of the water, the old man sneaks up behind him and is about to attack when Killer turns around and slices his throat. The sons, knowing something is up, come back. But they're all coming back from different distances. So they're not all seven coming at once. And they are quickly dispatched. And then you've got another son that comes. He's quickly dispatched by Killer. And this continues until all the men are gone. Being of the same family, the old woman and her seven daughter-in-laws feel the absence of their spouses. And they come to the beaver dam, for they knew that this was where they were going to get their next meal. And Killer looks at them and can tell that they are cursed with Wendigo. And he dispatches them all. He creates a bonfire and takes out all 16 hearts that are cold as ice. And he puts them into the ashes of the fire and builds up a larger fire. And the hearts sit there. And after a long time, it could have been a week if I remember the story correctly, the hearts finally melt and were burned to ash and the Wendigo was no more. So that's the main story that I know of. Hmm. Uh, where'd you, so where'd you get the story? This story is my retelling of... Um, so there's a YouTube channel, Extra Credits. They have um, a Native American myth video about the Wendigo from the Omushko tribe. Um and then they also have a supplementary video where a guy, uh, where one of their creators talks about a little bit more of the mythology. But that story is found in their Wendigo Native American myth video. Okay. Oh, that's good. I like it. I do good. Yeah, you did you too. Do good. Nice. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, basically, yeah. So, yeah. Mike, what. When you hear the term Wendigo, what's the first thing you think of? Well, for me, uh, 
I didn't know much about Wendigos until a few years ago um, when Supergiant Games made Until Dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used a lot of the concept of the Wendigo in that story because it's supposed to be this whole setup of so spoiler alerts for until dawn for anyone who doesn't know so the whole game starts off with you controlling one of two twin sisters who die in the first part and then it follows up a year later when they go back where their older brother decides to get revenge on the rest of the group who they felt were complicit in the sister's deaths so it's this whole thing of it looks like they're playing this off as a joke until something in the woods starts to come after them, but they don't know what it is. Uh, now, in the game, they aren't... I don't actually remember if they use the term Wendigo, but that is what the creators... I thought say. they did, yeah. because I think it was like in the... At least in like the Hunter's Journal. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was in a couple newspapers, if yeah. I remember correctly. They did yeah. use the term Wendigo, because yeah. that's also my first introduction to Wendigo. Mm-hmm. They, uh, yeah, because the the hunter, uh, when you first meet him, he is going around the woods with a flamethrower, trying to do something, but nobody knows because he's dressed to basically hide himself. So that they don't rec- so that the Wendigos don't recognize him as human, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it was interesting, and I knew that they were most likely taking quite a few liberties when it came to the idea of the Wendigo, but that's really my first introduction to the concept of the Wendigo. I know a lot of people probably had a, uh, a con like was given the concept to them uh, by the show Supernatural where that was the first like monster you see in the series. Mm. And uh, so I was just looking at some of the trivia. There might've been some references that it might've been a survivor of the Donner poverty, or it was from a lost Indian tribe that like that particular Wendigo where they came from. And I was just like, Oh, okay. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that might've been the first time. Or uh, there's also the Marvel comics Wendigo, which is definitely it's very interesting that particular one uh i know that it looks more like a yeti than how you would uh normally see it depicted or how originally it was kind of intended and so i was actually just i was looking at this um article by elizabeth mcculley uh backstory the mythology and misrepresentation of the wendigo Mm. that one i had seen might have. Yep, that was one that I copied at work today to nice. look more into. Brady DeSanti, a professor of religion studies in the University of Nebraska, notes that the Wendigo of pop culture often gets most everything about the Wendigo wrong, including the depiction of Native Americans and First Nation communities. According to most Native American legends, the physical form of a Wendigo is often said to be human-like. Over time, it becomes giant. In some stories, the Wendigo has a heart of ice and is so hungry for flesh that it chews off its own lips, which is, I'm like, okay, uh, that's kind of metal. <laughs> uh, conversely, when the Wendigo appears in North American pop culture, it is usually likened to a werewolf, vampire, or yeti, or some kind of combination. And also. 
because uh, I've also seen this in a lot of different um, depictions. Doesn't sound like they have horns because a lot of times they gave them like these giant antlers. Now, yeah, um, I believe I believe the introduction of antlers to the Wendigo story came with uh, Hannibal, the TV series, hmm. because um, uh, who's the main character's name? Will. Will. So Wait. Will is suffering from. Wait, um, no, 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 that wouldn't be right. Because of because Hannibal, as in like Hannibal Lecter, that show. Yeah. No, Hannibal, the TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, but that was not that would have not have been the earlier depiction of horns because I've heard about it being referenced with horns before that show was on. Okay, because as but far as I knew, even. that was the that was the maybe it was the thing that made it most popular, but. Yeah. Um. But that was my first understanding of the introduction of the horns. Oh, wounded. Because yeah. Will, yeah. Uh, one of the things is he's constantly running into while he's got this uh, mental condition is a, a Hannibal, black Hannibal-faced Wendigo um, creature that has deer antlers hmm. oh uh yeah. there's a uh there's a movie from 2001 uh called the wendigo and they have antlers it looks like it, it's like a deer head which kind of makes me think more of um lord uh hern from britain yeah in in uh british mythology uh or or folklore uh there is a hern a great hunter who would wear uh like a stag's head and ride around hunting and that also might have been a depiction from an earlier god uh, by the name of Cernibus, I want to say. The Horned God. and it, like, it, The God of the Hunt, basically. And it was just very interesting if they're... Because I'm like, these, are, these would be like Celtic uh, stories. Or, uh, you know, before um, anybody from Europe ever made it to um, uh, the Americas. So, uh, one of the things that as a kid that I liked watching was the black cauldron mm-hmm. and uh, the author of that book series that Disney made the movie from the author uh, was making, making it reference a bunch of Welsh things. And of course they've got the horn King in it. And I'm just, now I'm sitting here thinking, you know, he says that it's, influenced by welsh things so i didn't i'm just sitting here wondering not knowing any more of that if there if there's a welsh horned being in their mythology yeah that it, it would be part of that it would be hern her and the hunter be yeah because uh he um if he's you know if the ghost is still around with the windsor forest and the great park in English County of Berkshire or Breckshire. Okay. Neat. That is a weird tangent that we're going to be keeping in. Cause I'm like, that actually still kind of pertains to what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, it looks like, yeah, that um, notion of antlers on the creature arose largely in the King novel, which gave it Ram's horns. Hmm. Uh, because I know like that was one of those things that they they talk about in um 
uh, Pet Cemetery, but it's I don't think it's like ever explicitly meant like said that it's uh, deals with Wendigo, which it doesn't sound like it might be making somebody a Wendigo or something like that, because I know like it how they were described with the cemetery that the father like explains that it kind of feels like a compulsion, which could also kind of be interwoven into um the myth of the wendigo where it's like you are have this compulsion to eat or all this other stuff yeah well a lot of i know a lot of where it comes from is in some ways the modern authors at least according to what i'm seeing oh yeah um they based it a lot of their concept of what the wendigo is comes from uh, Algernon Blackwood's book, which is a, uh, which is The Willows, The Windigo, and Other Horrors. Oh, I saw him today. Yeah, his uh, his de- his depiction seems to be at least um, he turned a lot of what would be the Windigo from almost human into the monstrous demon type. Basically, uh, a lot of authors took that as their inspiration for their version of the Windigo. Okay, that makes sense. This also kind of goes inside in a way with um, a lot of other kind of creatures that you always see, where it's like it's not just that they transform or something like that, and it's like they are evil or something. But depending on which version of the story, it's because this is also a lot of times like an oral tradition or stuff like that. And the coolest and most annoying thing about oral traditions is that they aren't meant to be. Is static one it's stationary yeah okay it's not meant to be static mm-hmm. it's meant to change it's meant to evolve over time because it's supposed to have a meaning to who's ever t- the audience that you're personally telling it to uh this is a uh, this i found very funny so jr talking uh was once quoted in saying when he learned about the grimm's uh book got edited he was he got upset about that. He yeah. was like, you shouldn't edit. This is all for, you know, these are the stories that you're supposed to have. We should be hearing the real ones. And it was like, well, the version, the first versions of the Grimm stories aren't the real ones because those are just ones that they heard and wrote down. Mm-hmm. These are ever changing stories uh, like whenever or whenever I hear people say like uh, whine about like Disney messing with the Grimm stories is like. It's it's not as good as like the actual stories. It's like, have you ever like read any of those stories? A lot of them are weird and like redundant. Uh, freaking Snow White, she gets tricked by the um her evil stepmother or the witch or whoever that's supposed to be, like five times. Yeah, with five different ways of doing it. It was like, lady, stop, stop taking gifts from strangers. And the yeah. purpose of that was just to really drive home this idea to kids. Hey, don't take crap from people you don't know. Well, and my first introduction into sort of the darker side of the original Grimm's fairy tales was uh, the I rented the VHS of Into the Woods with Bernadette Peter that they recorded on a stage. And you have the two ugly stepsisters cutting off toes and parts of their feet. 
to yep, that, fit yeah. into the glass slipper. And um, I think that's the fairy tale that at the end, the evil stepmother has to wear uh, fire hot iron shoes. No, that's uh, that's Snow White. You were talking about Cinderella. Oh, yeah. I, I read the. I thought the stepmother also had a punishment. I think something else happened with her. I don't think it was Red Hot. Red Hot Shoes, I'm pretty sure, was uh, Snow White. Okay. And I also now realize I feel really bad because uh, we just went over to talk about some Western stories. Yay! Well, it's easier for us to do that because of where we come from. That's what we grew up with. It's like I wanted to do more research, and it's like I wish, you know, I wish I was closer to actual first nations and native americans a reservation or something where i could go to an elder or somebody who knows their own stories to tell me a uh, a version of the story you know their stories yeah exactly and which hopefully that's what you uh the uh what's what's their called what's the podcast called the extra credit people kind of did yeah. that or yeah yeah but it's but, like I wish I wish there was more and part of that's my fault but I wish there was more easy access so that we could actually that it wasn't just these yes I'm an American and my family has been one one side of my family has been over since the Mayflower but everything that I know and experience still flows from Europe. I don't have much of what was on this continent before me and before my family came over. Mm -hmm. I wish that was easier to access and easier for me to be able to find somebody. And it's like, tell me your stories. And one of my favorite things as a kid was the, during the 90s, there were some actual Native American children's books that came out, like one about the Raven God, and mm. he turned himself into some pine needles and fell into a lady's cup, and she drank it and became pregnant with him, the Raven God. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, I've heard. But then again, I don't know if like that, that was written by a Native American or if that's uh, another white person retelling it. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think with a lot of that, there are things out there that um and we're encouraging anyone to research these things. Um definitely look into a lot of these. There are projects out there to s- try and save and archive these stories. Mm-hmm. And usually they're severely underfunded because the projects aren't felt to be very important for, you know, trying to save and preserve cultures more of a there was an entire dialect and i believe it's of the uh from like north carolina for essentially the swamp folk they had their own language and their language is dying just because there are fewer of them more people are leaving and they're being encroached upon by others who are coming in and especially because um the more interesting thing is with modern technology being the way it is, because you probably some of you have probably seen the videos of uh, the Scottish mom who's trying to have Alexa play a song for her and it's not working. 
until she speaks in a full English accent, and then it all of a sudden works, we're losing a lot of dialect just because so many things are being, especially like text-to-speech items or things that are voice-activated, have a very specific cadence that they want to use. Mm -hmm. So we lose a lot of these things that were there, these words, and a lot of this language that's being used in dialects that will no longer exist in another 15, 20, 30 years just because the technology will require them to lose it or don't use it. Mm -hmm. It it was one of those things. Uh, I don't know where I heard this, but it was that I, I, I in my in my brain, I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, I want to say it's Dan Brown because uh, they talked about English being getting close to being a universal language. And then the character that Tom Hanks plays basically said, if I'm if I'm remembering this right, that isn't math supposed to be a universal language. It was like, yeah, <laughs> and yes and no. It's like, you know, to facilitate things, everybody needs to be able to speak the same language. And yeah. English is, I think, the number two language to learn. Oh, yeah. Well, and it doesn't help that, you know, the English colonized almost everywhere. Oh, you know, it helped and... it become the same. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that uh, so when I was talking uh, the other time about uh, different levels of civilization, it's a sad thing that these things can potentially be lost, which that is also why I do encourage um, listeners like talk to your grandparents, listen to these stories, record these stories, because sadly, a lot of these things are going to go away because that's kind of the nature of the beast of being able to have be like become one big culture which kind of eventually is what's going to happen, especially if we, uh, let's say, we do get faster than light travel and we learn of different planets and different cultures that way, too. The farther out you go, you, the smaller your planet is, and you're like, you need to have some kind of way of connecting yourself. And the plain simple fact that we are going to be limited into how much we can have for a culture at one point. Because as of right now, so yeah, we are Americans, all three of us. And the interesting thing about that is there is no unified American culture. There are a certain unified traditions that are unified, like the 4th of July, you f shoot fireworks, uh, Thanksgiving, you eat turkey, uh, and like so on, like something like that. But in Wisconsin, dur Fridays during Lent, you go to a fish fry. Just during Lent? Well, or you just go to a fish fry no matter what. Or yeah. And that's also, that is more of a Midwest thing too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you don't really get to go do that in uh, a lot of other parts of the countries. Mm -hmm. Unless they have a huge Midwest emigration. Getting back a little bit more to the depiction of the Wendigo. Yep. From what I understand, the more traditional is a wraith-like being whose um whose skin is ashen gray emaciated skin taut form no lips maybe a missing slightly missing nose and missing toes but this is a creature that's emaciated skin and bones um but has a ravenous appetite and the more it consumes, the bigger and stronger it gets. 
but also there is nothing to satiate its hunger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh, before I actually get into something, I did want to go over. So these are some of these actual famous stories that are real. Uh, the first one, it is the terrifying tale of the swift runner, which that was the guy's name. It was in, uh, seven or 1879. This is the Canadian story. This is one of the Canadian stories. Uh, there's a bunch of Canadian stories because it was, it's great. The Lex area family is uh, a little bit more North. Yeah. It was like, it's a, a lot of these stories are more great lakes and, uh, can Canadian in origin in 1880, 1879, the citizens of Alberta, Canada witnessed their first official hanging. The man dangling at the tree of the, uh, the end of the rope was a Cree native American by the name of Swift runner. What was his crime? Well, Swift Runner cannibalized his entire family, but he laid the blame on the evil spirit called the Wendigo. It w- it's a pretty insane story. I'm not going to go over it because there are so many podcasts that talk about this story that I it would just they do they would do a way better job than me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have other things that we can talk about, but it's like these are real stories and like. Did he have that? Was he actually possessed by the Wendigo? I'm not going to say yes or no, because this has also happened over 100 years ago. And I'm like, but uh, another interesting story deals with um, the strange case of the Wendigo hunters. So there are these two brothers in no- uh, Nova Scotia. They're the Fiddler brothers. And uh, these guys got charged for a couple murders or, well, alleged murders. And they were basically saying that they were hunting Wendigo. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's wow. Uh, One of the brothers ended up dying before the court case was able to be finalized. Yeah. And then did the other one kill himself? Uh, let's I can't see. remember if one of the brothers killed himself or it was one of the brothers ended up dying. And then the other one killed himself before the court case finished. Um, Jackson signed traditional treaty five deer deer. Because that's the other thing about Wendigo is there's people who transform into the Wendigo, and then there's others where it's a spirit takes over or is invited in by the unnatural consumption of the forbidden meal, which is fellow human beings. Ooh, on uh, September 30th, Jack Fiddler escaped captivity dur- during a walk outside. He hanged himself nearby and was found dead later that day. Oh, well, I don't know if that's sad or not. Uh, Because it's one of those things like if they weren't Wendigos and they were just murdering people and just saying that, that's, I guess, not sad. I don't know. I'm not going to have any kind of opinion about that one. Joseph Fiddler uh, still went to trial. However, Angus Ray, the eyewitness, died and the other guy died. So they're like, further appeals secured his release. But the order came three days after his death in 1909. Ooh. So one was put to death and the other hung themselves. Kind of sad. But it's like when you think about that with two, like if you think about, yeah, the show Supernatural out of context, if you don't think these things are real, how do you pr- how do you prove them or how do you prove these things? 
you, you can't really. But for this one, it's a, it's gonna be a little bit more complicated. Uh, but like the science of certain aspects of our brain. Okay. So there is. I I learned about this today. So there is a a particular psychosis that's called the Wendigo psychosis, which I don't know if it's really because we talked about this before we started recording that it might not be recognized as an actual psychosis, which would make sense in the sense that it is also called what is known as a culture bound syndrome. So what does that mean? Basically, so I, I learned about this. It was the be- best way I can explain it uh, to you guys is so like, you know, um, the exorcist and all that stuff, like demon possession. You never ever notice that a lot of people who don't believe in God or like never or never the Christian version of God or the Christian version of the devil. Uh, mm-hmm. People who don't either don't know anything about him or like don't believe him tend to not get possessed by him. A lot of times it's like very religious people that get possessed by the devil. What What are you trying to say, Mac? It is what is called a cultural bound syndrome. So it's like if you're not part of that particular culture, then you're not going to even though I don't even know if that one actually is considered a culture bound. Um, the the one I just used as an example, like possession. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but uh, uh, but um, oh, here's one. Uh, the evil eye is considered that ghost sickness, which is a na- another Native American one. It's a Navajo, uh, Muscogee, and Creek. Uh, what I know of with um ghost sickness is it's basically that you are too near a dead body for too long, and like there's part of the spirit that uh is making you sick. Hmm. Oh, there's actual word for it. Uh, affect your appetite, nightmares, and uh, a lot of times it's occasionally tied in with like uh witchcraft or bad or or bad medicine. Oh, okay. I guess, in that weird parlance. But yeah, it's a cultural thing too, and it's kind of fascinating just how our brains work that we make things real, kind of. Yeah. We believe we can believe in something so strong that uh, we make things affect us. Oh, a, another great example of it. Oh, uh, this happened. And so we're from Wisconsin and Wisconsin and uh, Michigan. After the Vietnam War, we a lot of Hmong uh, refugees and Laotian refugees came over. Yep. Because America kind of left them. So there's a bunch of people that are like, uh, yeah, we can't do that. And so they brought them over here. But uh, what's really interesting, uh, one of the things that kind of inspired Freddy Krueger is there was a rash of like mysterious deaths in those communities hmm. where men were just dying in their sleep. And then when they cracked open their chest, they were they didn't really see it. It looked like they had kind of like I had a heart attack. And it was just, a, and I, I can't remember, I don't know if they ever found like a, like a real good explanation for it, but it just seemed to be like that they scared themselves to death it, because it dealt with um, a tradition, some, some traditions. Now, I, what I also learned about with that one was the, it's also, there was a lot of these men could have been like isolated from their culture. So it was kind of being like heart, heart sick anyway, mm-hmm. and sad and uh, homesick. And like all these other 
uh, pressures that were being put on them that you don't normally experience. And maybe they had a pre-existing condition that could have caused something like this. And it just got exacerbated. Exacerbated. (laughs) Yep. Because of all this other thing. And it was like, oh, that's kind of, that's, I'm not going to say that's neat because that sounds horrible, but I'm like, it's interesting and fascinating. I was like, Um, oh, yeah. To to also bring up the extra, uh, so extra credit had that one story video, and then they had another video, um, where they talk a little bit more about when to go, and I could be misconstruing what he was trying to say, but it's not an actual syndrome, the Wendigo psychosis, mm-hmm. and. I believe nowadays it's seen more as a white person in a psychology field who created it to other the native speakers and oh look at these people believe that people be, can become wendigo sort of things which yeah that sounds very much uh, a white men thing cuz it's could like- be misconstruing what extra credit is saying there but I believe that's what modern psychology is pointing to it as because the other thing is is like people all will say oh i've got somebody got stockholm syndrome stockholm syndrome isn't a thing nope it's not in the ARSM. the the dsm4 is what you're thinking of Mm -hmm. yep Hmm. because yeah i'm like that's a very interesting so with the wendigo psychosis i'm a little hesitant to know if that's a real thing or if it was something that was made at one time because i mean certain things were in the previous versions of the dsm mm-hmm. oh yeah they, that yeah. aren't there anymore because it doesn't hold up yeah uh yeah you can it's one of those like i i i will put stock in the dsm but i'm not it's not like i'm going to say this is end all be all yeah, it's just not how it works, which is hilarious when that when comments comments like that come up in um, when I have to talk about things about science with people. And they're like, would you really believe that? It was like, would science has changed so much over time? I'm like, that shows you how science works. Yes. It's because we're getting better at this, you know, better at the science. Here is what we did. This yeah. is how you this is our processes. Now you can take those processes, create another experiment, and see the results. Repeatable results. That's what's key. Uh, but sad thing with like a lot of these brain things, which is also why um, you'll hear people call uh, psychology, psychiatry and psychology uh, like a softer science. Because mm-hmm. turns out humans are weird. Yeah. Uh, I don't know of many humans that are exactly the same. So that's why when you hear the gamut of like different symptoms and stuff. Yeah. They're going to be varied from person to person. Yeah. Yes, our bodies are machines, but God breaks the mold every time he makes one of us. Pretty much. I, I think it's this interesting concept, even in like physical, like even in physical health of humans, we are all built so very differently because now this is not me trying to defend the fact that I'm a rather corpulent man, but you can be overweight and still be healthy. Yes. That's just how your body is. Mine isn't. I know that for a fact, but 
You can also you, be you could be skinny and unhealthy. Yeah. Like there is no singular like there is no singular universal way human beings live and exist and work as far as their even their own physical bodies go cuz we are like all other species ever changing in our own magical ways. That's um, kind of the whole point of this. Have you read about uh I I stumbled across this as one of the cures for Wendigo is oh, I didn't they, realize it was a disease. Well, yeah, to, I, if you think about it, 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 it could yeah. be a possession of the Wendigo yeah. Yeah. spirit. Yeah. But uh or before you've totally become a Wendigo where you're a wraith like creature with that's emaciated and whatnot. But you start getting those cravings, but you haven't done it, it yet, kind of thing. From this clip, I can't cite my sources on this, but um, in one of the places that I looked, a cure for being Wendigo was forcing the person to eat eating fatty animal meat. And I don't know if you force them enough to eat eat so much that they you make them vomit or if they are craving human meat but you're giving them animal meat that they eventually not overfeeding but just strictly feeding them that they will vomit out ice yeah i think i've heard something about vomiting ice and it's or, or at least it's like you're making the the host body like inhospitable to the the uh, psychic parasite or spiritual parasite, I guess would be the only way to explain that one. But yeah. Hmm. So, uh, but, it, it, uh, but I want to just go circle back with this one. Cause it's like when people were like, when you're talking about that, the white men saying, Oh, look, these stupid natives, they don't, they, they think this is real. It's like in some aspects. Yeah. I guess you could say there are some people that are like, Oh, this is 100% real. And they have to explaining by like, you know, the, the, the brothers that were the hunters, if they actually did believe that, but in other cases, it could also be that it's a, they understand it. It's a metaphor. It's a concept. We tell kids that there's a monster under a bed, not because there is a monster under the bed, but it's just like a lesson to learn or something like that. Even though I don't think anybody actually, no parent tells their kid that there's a monster in the bed. Cause that'd be weird. But we like tell kids stories about like things in the woods or like, all those other stories, their lessons to teach, like, mm -hmm. for example, for that is in many aspects with the Wendigo is don't be greedy. Yeah. So going with that as a metaphor, uh, one of the things um, that was mentioned was that a rise in the storytelling of the Wendigo happened as colonials um colonists started uprooting and moving the first nations and native americans from habitat uh, areas that they were familiar with so yeah. there's a two-prong uh aspect to the wendigo myth the first one is all these people being forced into at inopportune times to some other location where they do not have the right 
tools and understanding of their location to be able to profit, be able to hunt, you know, feed themselves and all that isn't required to be able to prosper because you're being moved from where you were to some place that you're unfamiliar with. Exactly. Uh, Ojibwe scholar, uh, we're, we already talked about him, uh, Brady DeSanti asserts that the Wendigo can be understood as a marker indicating a person dot, 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 imbalanced both initially or internally and towards a large community of humans and spiritual beings around them out of equilibrium and estranged from their community being uprooted and everything else. Individuals thought to be afflicted by Wendigo spirits unravel and destroy ecological balance around them. It's there. This is like something that they, they feel out of balance. They feel out of whack because they kind of got uprooted. Yeah. Which makes sense to me. You bring your stories along with you anyway. And of course you're going to be telling them. And then uh, what was it? It was, uh, oh, this one actually was very, very interesting. Uh, I, I can't. It was, I read, or is in um, a great histories or great um, courses, history about mythology and stuff like that. And they talked about the book of Job. So the book of Job, you know, Job had everything, then it got all taken away from him. And uh, he, I can't remember, depending on who's telling the story, he either said, why, why, why have you forsaken me, God? Or he never loses faith. And it's depending on the telling. And it's just interesting when you learn about it, it's also you have to learn about when it was written. Because in context to that, it was after uh, like the Jews were set, uh, defeated in like a lot of battles and were displaced. And then they were like, oh, God, why have you forsaken? I thought we were your chosen people. And it was just like, oh, God has been testing you. And like there's like entirely different context if you read it from like when the story was written and uh, like a lot of that's how like a lot of these stories are going back to the second prong of the metaphoric thing with uh the colonials pushing the native americans off of their land is the consumption the unsustainable because that's what it's eventually become now insatiable consumption that the white settlers had. Wait, we gave you that land. That should be good enough for you. Why do you need more? And our continued expansion, and it hasn't stopped. This is something that I actually, I, I, I thought about like uh, several, a couple of years ago. What, who is the person that you're referring to when you call, say, Indian giver? Wait. Because... How I always interpret it was that an Indian giver is somebody, it was like basically saying the white man is like, you're here you go. Here's all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then you break the treaties and then you take that away. Yeah. As in the the stuff you're giving to the Indian. And I've, I never understood. uh, I think that might've been its original intent of the word for Indian Mm -hmm. giver. But as a child, that was never explained to me. And growing up, you know, watching Cowboys and Indians, I ended up probably with the misconception that it's referring to the Native Americans giving and taking away, even though they've never, they never did that. Yeah. I always took it as, yeah, uh, 
it's you gave to the Indians. You're like, oh yeah, here's the stuff that we're giving you, even though this is was your land or was somebody else's land that we also took because from a different tribe, and we're displacing you all because you're all the same. But yeah. our modern consumerist society, we've all become infected with Wendigo. Yeah. What are you talking yeah. about? Stop, Dean. Stop eyeing my stuff. How are you, well, are you hungry? Is pretty pretty. I'm always hungry. <laughs> Mac, I'm always hungry. You should actually, see I'm, how emaciated he is. Actually, I'm yeah, not hungry. His skin is gray. No, Mike. Get away. Don't. <laughs> Speaking of hunger. Yes. Uh, this is a really sad syndrome that I'm actually going to talk about. That's real. And like, not even like, there's no like debate that this thing is real. Uh, it's called Prater Willy syndrome. Okay. Prater Willie syndrome is a rare genetic disorder that results in a number of physical, mental, and behavioral problems. The key feature in Prater Willie syndrome is a constant sense of hunger that usually begins about two years of age. People with Prater Willie syndrome want to eat constantly because they never feel full. Ooh. And they usually have trouble controlling their weight because they're always hungry. This isn't like uh, people are like where they're like, oh, like they'll be uh, fat bashing somebody. And it's just like, oh, you're, just, you're never hungry. It was like, no, 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 no. They literally can't feel full. Uh, they did. They talked about this on CSI years ago. CSI Las Vegas. I was actually to bring up that episode. I've seen it. I don't know how well they depict it, but the guy eats himself to death. Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure is it. Well, I know it is a possibility because mm -hmm. it, stuff can happen. But yeah, you'd have because, yeah, the whole thing was it was wasn't his girlfriend like take him to like a bunch of eating contests. No, uh, it or... was uh, the. Guy was the sis had a sister oh. and her sisters and his sister's boyfriend took him to a eating contest. Okay, that's what it was. Thank you. But yeah, there's like a nice long laundry list of other uh, parts of this yeah. condition. Uh, and yeah, but it was just like that. Just because I'm like, you just never feel full. No, I'm like, I don't know if they constantly feel starving or something because that would be horrible. Or if it's like I could eat a little bit more. Yeah, but I'm like there also could be like different severities of it too. Um, I also was looking at uh, this is from neuro uh, neurosciencenews.com. Uh, brain region associated with feeling full after eating identified. I, I I kept reading this over and over, trying to figure out where it's like it says this is where it is, and I was having a hard time finding it. Yeah, basically, like it it wasn't giving me a very satisfactory um. It basically just sounds like a, a neuron cluster uh, in near the central gang am ganglia or am ganglia, mm -hmm. and I was just like okay, but it was also deals with different um, chemicals that get released by your stomach that go tr like travel up and like starting a cascade effect uh, to tell your brain hey I'm full, which is probably why you can like you know easily overeat. In the sense that, like, you know, it take can take a bit to trigger that effect and then that yeah. effect go up and you're still plopping things in your mouth. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And 
because uh, I also feel really bad because I oh, we probably aren't even going to be really talking about how we could make a Wendigo. Well, biologically speaking, that's I was I was sitting all day thinking about it after doing so after having done more research about the Wendigo. I'm like, well, the core of the original stories were more of a spiritual thing. Mm hmm. And yes, there is the more that they eat and the more that they consume, the bigger and stronger that they become, but they're still emaciated. And that's why they keep getting bigger is because they have to still be that emaciated form. And the only other thing would be to do the Wendigo where it's a creature that's human deer wolf hybrid. I was going to go with uh, Reptile Man. Reptile Man? So, this is a cool thing about uh, a lot of non-mammals. Uh, well, lobsters are an example, but also this, uh, like, uh, alligators and crocodiles. So, you ever see, like, giant alligators or crocodiles? So, interesting thing about, a lo- or a giant turtle, a tortoise. They, a lot of them tend to seem to just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger like humans have like a maximum growth like mm-hmm. you know humans stop growing males will finish up being like their bodies will definitely stop growing and like kind of crystallize yeah what we are at around 25 but like our bodies will stop growing before 18 mm-hmm. in height and everything else uh women is generally when they first hit puberty that's kind of where their max height is and uh, but like out like a lot of reptiles, they can just keep getting bigger and bigger, and bigger. Uh, or uh, one of the things that I heard it was I don't know if this is true, but it was an interesting thing about lobsters. OK, was that so the only thing that limits the growth of a lobster is at one point their shell gets too heavy and big for oh. them to be able to molt out of molt out of it. Interesting. So if you helped a lobster molt, you could potentially make a giant lobster hmm. which i like it sounds like something that would be very simple that people would have tested so i don't know the validity validity of that yeah interesting but no because i know the idea is at least with going back to reptile man essentially an alligator could live forever as long as it has enough calories going in yeah so like because once it just hits a point where it just gets so big it can no longer meet the caloric count it needs to keep living. Yeah. And also, once again, like, how do whales die when they get beached? They get too They're too big and their bodies just crush themselves. So I was like, there's also probably a limit to how big an alligator get. You know, there is a limit to how big something on the surface can get. There's actually fish that part of the... uh, We can't grow any bigger. But the part of the reason we only live so long is because our genetics quit. Uh, it's a little bit more complicated, but yes. Um, but there are it's fish that live out there that they don't necessarily age. There, because I know it. There is a species of jellyfish that it. They basically are genetically immortal because what happens is like they go through a life cycle still and like an adolescent. And because of, if I'm remembering right, it's like after their breeding season, basically, they kind of just restart their cycles. And it's just like, 
and they're like te- so it's like they're technically immortal but they're also very simple so they're probably not going to be immortal in the sense that they're going to get eaten it was uh i think it was on like cracked years ago when they're talking about like horrible superpowers and yeah. like immortality would suck because think about the ch- chances of you getting buried alive oh the chances of you getting buried alive eventually are probably at 100%. The chances of something happening to you that are horrible, like eventually is like 100%. So it's like, yeah, if you're an immortal jellyfish, the chances of you getting eaten is 100% because you're just going to keep living until you get eaten. Yeah. Which is like, oh, that's terrifying. That's depressing. And and not depressing, I guess, because they also don't really have brains. So yeah, there's that benefit, I guess. But yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say, yeah, because of the plainness of effect of like so many of the attributes and we kind of just kept going on and on and on about mythology and everything else and like certain things. I'm like, I'm not happy in in the sense that we weren't able to come up with a Wendigo, but I'm like, I'm kind of happy because of what we talked about. Yeah, I it's hard, though, because there isn't there isn't much of a biological diseases or that would make people do some of these things or the idea of like i'll call it the cultural placebo effect yeah yeah that's a good a good way of saying it yeah yeah you need to have something that shuts off your ability to uh feel full and also oh a parasite there we go ringworm not ringworm uh tapeworm basically we need a tapeworm that's able to what actually don't even need to trigger the full uh, feeling thing like oh no maybe a little bit and that's because that's what ha- kind of happens with a lot of tapeworms which i was gonna look up but i forgot to um yeah and then it will just you will lose weight because it's eating all your food mm-hmm. and that would be terrifying and uh and the, some of those can get huge yeah i i they're they're terrifyingly long oh yeah i've seen some big tapeworms yeah Blew. And yeah, so hey, there, there's your biological one. It, yeah, just say it's a tapeworm. Yeah. Well, it, you also <laughs> have different parasites that their life cycle um, requires them to have a particular host being eaten mm-hmm. by a particular animal. Yes. So there's mice that get infected with a parasite, and it needs to be eaten uh, by a cat. And so the mouse goes up and starts pestering the cat. It likes the smell of their pee. That's um, that's a legit thing. Uh, The mice start to enjoy the smell of the cat's pee. And they stop being afraid of cats. Yep. Weird. And that's something that, you know, it actually messes with the brain chemistry. And then there's a certain parasite that hide, uh, that grows inside of a snail. Oh, yeah. And takes over their stocks and then oh. that parasite grows and pulsates different colors to draw attention to the predators of that snail. Yeah. Oh. I thought we were going to be talking about the parasite that lives in our secret hideaway closet. I was going to bring up that weird one where it's the parasite that eats the tongue of the the fish. Oh. And that basically takes place of the tongue. And then eats whatever the fish is eating. Oh, yeah, so then yeah. the fish doesn't get to eat as much. Yeah, very similar to the tapeworm. 
Except Fair enough. It's way creepier because like you I've seen pictures where it's like they're holding the fish by its mouth open and then it's yeah. like this insect looking thing. I don't like watching those videos. Yeah, it's yeah. terrifying. It's gross. It's weird. Yeah. If. Okay, so where are we in the giant giant lizard man with a parasite? Basically, that's what we're looking at. If we're gonna try and <laughs> if we're gonna biologically create a Wendigo, that's about they the don't only option we have. Yeah, they don't hey. have lips. Okay, we've done it. Congratulations. And they have a cold heart because they're cold blooded. Hey. Shoot. I cannot Shh. believe you. Good job. Good job, everybody. Shaking your hands. We did Good it. Good job. Good job. We did it. We did it. So, Wait, Americans. We figured it out. Yeah. Go us. USA. 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 Guess Just they're kidding. right about the Illuminati. <laughs> this is I haven't gotten Disney. my invitation yet. Uh Mm-hmm. I'm, you gotta uh, have you started with the Freemasons like I suggested though you got to start with the local office. I think we can call it here. We congratulated yeah. ourselves for creating the for creating a real Wendigo. And uh, and so for next week, uh, it depending on if we have a special guest or not. Okay. Uh, uh or next time, I we might talk about the Fae. Okay. Hey, that'd be cool. A Real Creature Feature is created by Matt Kuklinski, starring Matt Kuklinski, Michael Seaman, and Dean Snow. Any questions, comments, artwork, or general inquiries can be sent to realcreaturefeature at gmail.com. You can view any submitted fan art and pictures on our Instagram at a real creature feature. Some episodes were recorded weeks in advance due to our current sporadic recording schedule. Any comments left will be seen and addressed at some point, and you will be credited unless you tell us you wish to remain anonymous. If you like the podcast, please leave a review on the podcast app that works best for you. It really helps us out. Also, tell your friends, enemies, and total strangers about the podcast. They might enjoy it too, and that can bring us all closer together. The whole entire Bible, after me listening to like a bunch of biblical scholars, is part of what we should be learning in Christian uh, Christian churches is the history of when these things were written, mm-hmm. because there's there's a whole conflict between North Israel and South Israel that plays into reading some of the old testament because you have some people who are writing it from southern israel who dislike the northern israelites and northern israelites disliking the southern israelites who are writing conflicting things that ended up getting melded together and then you've got the book of daniel and revelations and revelations was a response to what was happening in Rome at that time. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, the, if they translate actually what 666 really is supposed to mean, it's supposed to actually translate to Nero. Yeah. That's the thing is like 666 is nothing. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's Nero in numerology. Yeah. By the idea of it, um, depending on how you look at the translations as they pass through revelations has already come and gone. Yes. Yeah. Because revelations was referring to fall of Rome. Yeah. Not the actual end of the world, not the end of the world. 